welcome. We're going to start off as we always do, and thank you out there for checking out this episode of Those People, a podcast about people with people. As usual, I'm your host, Mitch Gaines. You can find me at Mitch Gaines just about anywhere on the internet that I want to be found. If you found me anywhere on the internet in this week in particular, you'll know that for the most part I was on the road all week, partly in Chicago, but primarily exploring South Bend, Indiana, and looking into whether or not Pete Buttigieg is the real deal or not. Opinions on that are definitely still developing for me, but opinions on South Bend itself were that it exceeds expectations just about every way possible. Besides the pizza, that is. East Coasters, please beware if you travel there. Also wrapped up this past week, our focus on political people, with a conversation with New Jersey's Russ Serenzioni, who's running for a U.S. House seat there, including a series of candidates and media types who are covering them all across the country. So if you haven't listened to that already, make sure you go back and catch up on all those episodes of seven in total. Coming up in Volume 2, we're going to switch gears a little bit, and we're going to sit down with creators of all sorts, shapes, and sizes, from musicians to photographers, graphic novelists to social activists, and we'll debut that series with stand-up comic Anjan Bizwa, starting next Thursday, November 21st. Today, though, I have a very special episode for y'all. As a lot of you may already know, each year I grow a silly mustache, and I raise a few bucks for an organization that calls itself Movember. They raise money for a variety of men's health initiatives each year, and it's a really great cause. And Well, obviously, I respect the cancer and everything else of the physical variety that are great and deserve their attention. I choose to focus my work with them on men's mental health issues. So over the past two years, we focused on the staggering number of men who are committing suicide, and prior to that, men who are in abusive relationships, and then this year, we're taking on toxic masculinity. In doing so, each episode this November will feature a male guest and a conversation at least in part focused on their masculinity as well as the people in their life who taught them what it is to be a man. You can donate to that cause at mobro.co slash Mitch Gaines and help us out there, but one way or another you're going to get four episodes of Dudes Who Don't Suck this month. So today I'm sharing my unedited and unreleased pilot recording from the first time ever I explored doing this podcast. With a longtime friend of mine from a strange corner of the internet, we call the Frock Hive. Uh, it goes by Poppy Chulo underscore JP, real name Jordan Partridge. Uh, we talk about having multiple streams of income, one's place amongst their male friendships and their peer groups, his mentors and role models, and a whole bunch more in this episode. So, if this is your first time checking out the show, as always, thank you, thank you, and thank you. We are so happy to have you here. Thanks for taking a swing on this random bonus episode. If you love it, as always, we'd love you to go and go tell a friend. And if you hate it, we hate you, and please kindly shut the fuck up forever. I am just kidding about that last part, but if you hit the show for real, please do go back and check out one of our normal episodes and see if you like that a little better before you cancel us forever. If you really do hate the show, you can let me know on Twitter, where you can find me, at Mitch Gaines. That's Gaines with a Y, because I'm a little bit gay. G-A-Y-N-S. Now that we've wrapped up Volume 1, I also want to take a second here to give a special thanks to our sponsors, Anchor and Spotify, our executive producers, as well as our silent investors, and to our much louder critics. We're taking office for sponsors, advertisers, investors, and yes, critics too, uh, for volumes three and four. So if any of you out there are listening and you want to come aboard and support the show, now is the time to do so. You can reach out to me at mitchgaines at gmail.com or visit the website mitchgaines.com to learn more about the show, everything else we have going on, and what might be coming up in the future. In addition to all those people, I also want to thank, obviously, our seven previous guests thus far, including Ken Mejia Beal and Letty Stanton Verdusco, whose names I perpetually have mispronounced both on this show and in real life, but who also graced me with their hospitality when I visited their cities this past weekend. I also want to take a quick second in particular to shout out Russ Sorencioni, who I mentioned earlier, whose episode last week kicked off our month on healthy masculinity. Lastly, and without question most importantly, thank you. Hundreds of you out there have been listening and sharing and supporting the show through these first seven episodes, and I can't begin to thank you enough. 
If you haven't left a review on Apple or Podchaser, thank you too. If you retweeted an episode or you shared something on Facebook, thank you. If you shared the podcast with your mom or your dad or your roommate or your spouse or your friend or your cat or whoever people listen to podcasts with other people with, I don't really care who you shared it with or what you did to support the show. I just appreciate all of you out there listening and supporting the show. You guys are the absolute best. And when we get to saying that there's thousands of those people out there, pun very much intended, you can brag about being here first. So stay tuned for Volume 2, debuts next week. I hope you enjoyed this unedited pilot episode and enjoyed both my conversation with JP and just how far we've come. <laughs> well, after all sorts of technical difficulties, we'll jump right in here. I am joined today by somebody I've been excited to sit down with for a long while now, since I hopped onto his podcast about a month, month and a half ago. Jordan Partridge, better known online as Poppy Chulo JP, which we're going to get into that in a few minutes here, uh, is a millennials multi-hyphenate, a tradesman by day, content creator by night, and a car enthusiast 24 hours a day, 365. JP juggles a fledging stock portfolio, home ownership in his young youth, a YouTube channel, a podcast of his own, and as I mentioned, somehow has a day job on top of that. So without much further ado, I want to jump in. I hope everybody enjoys this pilot episode of Those People, and welcome Jordan Partridge. What's up, Jordan? Hey man, how's it going? Excellent, excellent, excellent. I'm very happy that you had a chance to be here with us on Those People for our very first episode. Though, Thanks for being my guinea pig and thanks for uh, coming on. Glad to be here. Man, that intro is fire. That's the money to intro done. I'm definitely going to get you to do it. You definitely hype me up. <laughs> hey man, I just try to make sure, make sure everybody sounds good if they come on my, on my podcast. 
<laughs> with that in mind, so I, I like to kick off every episode the same way. I, I ask every guest up front before we get into anything controversial. Uh, I need a conversational safe word from you. So just like your sexual safe word, you can use it whenever you want to. You say it whenever anything's uncomfortable, anything unexpected. I'll just shut the fuck up and move along. We can cover something else that's nothing weird. Just like your sexual safe word, if you use it too often, it's going to get really weird for both of us. We're probably going to need to stop at some point. <laughs> I got you. So can I get a conversational safe word for this lovely conversation we're about to jump into? Uh, you know what? I'll take a page out of Kevin Hart's book and say pineapples. I don't think that I'll have to use it very often, but uh, let's just go ahead and I'll just use pineapples. Well, I hope you don't have to use pineapples either in this interview or in the bedroom because that sounds very painful and hopefully we won't drag you into that. No, that'd be a very, very bad night. Both terms. <laughs> I mean, it depends what you're into. We don't kink shame here, but like pineapples, I mean, eat them beforehand. That'll, that'll make the experience better, but like putting them Ooh, anywhere. Sounds I never like a thought about pineapples in the bedroom. Whipped cream, strawberries, you know, chocolate, but pineapples is something different. I have to put pineapples on the nipples or something. It, yeah, something like no. that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to start, I guess, going back a little bit just so everybody kind of gets a little background on who you are and kind of uh, where you're at. Uh, I, I guess for starters, how old are you? Where are you, where are you from? And kind of give us uh, a little bit for the people of you know, who you are, if you will. Okay. Uh, like I said, I'm Jordan Partridge, 25 years old, uh, small town in Georgia. Uh, I work in Atlanta and basically all over Georgia at this point. Uh, as far as career-wise, I worked at a TV station at one point. I got into welding and HVAC. Uh, I'm interested in content, you know, podcasts, YouTube videos, uh, gaming, whatever. Uh, I'm a huge animal guy, into cars, into guns. I'm really into a little bit of everything. So I think I'm pretty versatile. Awesome. Uh, and I guess I, I, I've never been to Georgia, obviously. You can probably tell at home by my accent. I am very clearly from the Northeast. Uh, what, is, what is like small town life in Georgia like? Because you obviously ended up in a lot of different things over the last 25 years. But like, what is, when, take me back when you're like eight, nine, 10 years old. Like, what is, what is small town Georgia? Are you just like running around the woods, like shooting shit with BB guns? Or like, I, I'm, I, I have a very fucked up view of like what the South must be like. Yeah, I mean, being completely honest, I definitely have a handful of phone numbers that, like, if I did want to run around and shoot shit in the woods and, like, go mudding and stuff, I, there's definitely some people I can call up to make that happen. Uh, that <laughs> aspect isn't really my thing. I'm all for, like, shooting and going to the gun range and shit to shoot and stuff like that. But, like, running around in the woods just never appealed to me so it's just something i never did uh but i mean small town georgia's man at least for me i try to stay out of the way as much as possible <laughs> i go to work and i go home uh, like i've i've been to a bar maybe once or twice in my life i don't really try to get into the shenanigans that much i try to make the money in atlanta and bring it back down south and just kind of lay low and tinker on cars you know in, so. in i guess was that always like that? Like when you were a kid, was, is that kind of like what you grew up on? Is like, don't go up there, stay, stay out of that life, stay, stay as far away from that as you can, both the city and the woods, just kind of mind your business, stick to yourself and stack the money? Or like, what, what, what was kind of the lessons of the youth there? No, I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, everybody, no, gets in a, everybody gets in a little, you know, situation along the way. But as far as like just my general upbringing, I mean, it, it wasn't terrible. Like I 
played baseball as a kid. I was in Cub Scouts. I did Taekwondo for a minute. I ran track. Like, I was always – and my mom was strategic about that because she planned for me to always be active so I couldn't really get into any bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, if he, if he goes to school – and plus, I naturally like to read. So, the majority of the time, I'm inside anyways because I always had a good book. So, you know, like I said, and my mom just – did an extra step by, uh, you know, putting me in activities and stuff like that, just keeping me out of the street. Well, I always feel kind of like weird asking people this, but was your pops around too, or is it just you and your mom? No, really, just me and my mom. Uh, my pops came around. I mean, he was quote unquote always there. You know what I mean? <laughs> like he's in the yeah. yeah I know. I know exactly town. what you mean. I'm, yeah, I'm very yeah. familiar he's, with the always the there. Town. But, like, he wasn't always there. He was always, like, probably a good 15, 20 miles away. But, like, he wasn't always in my life. Uh, that changed probably, probably uh, I'd say, hang on, let me show the store. I'd say probably uh, around the age of 12, I'll say, is when he came, you know, heavy into my life. And we started to hang out and started to bond over cars and stuff like that. So I was going to ask even at that. 12, from from being born to 12 is a huge gap when, you know, a lot of a lot of kids are learning how to fish, you know, and, you know, work a barbecue or certain tools or whatever. So, like, at a certain point, I kind of have a disadvantage because that's 12 years that a lot of other, quote-unquote, normal guys had doing normal guy shit getting an advantage, whereas I really didn't have that. Yeah. Let me, uh, God willing, I hope so. Your dad's still alive, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I'm curious because you're, I mean, you, you just passed the, the doubling point, I guess. You're 25 now. What do you, God forbid, please do, I'm not wishing this in any sense of the word, but like if, you, if your father were to pass away tomorrow, which, which do you think you would have taken? Like 1 to 12 and having those years or the years you got, like 12, 13 through now, like 25? Like, what, what do you think? Because I, I agree with you. Like, those birth through 12 years, like, uber important. Uh, but I, ironically, right. it's like, I, my, my dad was a, a very much a always around, kind of around kind of guy, too. Uh, but my dad passed away when I was 16. So I, I had kind of a sim, the reverse experience where, like, my dad was very in my life, birthed to about 13 or 14 or so. And, like, excellent father. They have, you know, at all the games and cheering on the sideline and coaching the sports and friends with everybody, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but then like, I right. don't, I don't have a dad between, you know, 14 and now. And it's like, well, shit, looking back on it, I'm like, eh, I'm, I might've taken these 14 years over the, over the one through 14. So I was, you know, obviously you have the inverse experience. Would you, would you trade those to have, you know, some of those first memories and feel a little bit normal when you were younger? Or are you like kind of, you know, I, I'm obviously sure you're happy you have a dad now, but like, uh, would, I don't know. That's a very convoluted question there. Well, like you said, it is a pretty complicated question. <laughs> you really is just because if you look back on it, and I'm sure I'm not the only child, you know, that was in basically a single mother uh, ho- household that has had the situation. But growing up, you know, there were times when, like, you know, there's going to be a little sad moment, but like there's times where you're just sitting there and as a kid, you you don't have the mindset to kind of comprehend why he isn't there. So you're automatically going to assume it's something that you did. Like, I remember plenty of times just doing homework, and I just started crying. My mom's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, why is the dad here? Like, is it something that I did? Like, 
stuff like that, you know what I mean? Like there's, I'm not going to call it trauma because I feel like everybody labels everything as trauma these days. But certain things like that, you don't forget. You know what I mean? It's it's really hard to kind of, uh, I don't know. I really don't know. We do you know if you don't mind me asking, like, do you know why he wasn't around? Was it like was he in like jail uh, or some shit, or was he just like I mean, your parents had some beef and got back together later? Or what, like, what's the deal? That's basically what it was. My parents just had beef. They're on great terms right now. Like, my mom needs anything, you know. My dad's always there, you know. But growing up, it was just beef as to I'm assuming how their relationship ended. Uh, whether or not there was cheating involved. If you ask one, you know, one person's not going to have the same answer as the other one. And (laughs) it basically, you know, I got the disadvantage of that. Like I have a sister. So obviously, you know, she, she doesn't have the same effect because she always had, you know, a woman role model there. Mm. But as far as me being a dude, like, you know, I had uncles and stuff, but they're not always there. You know what I'm saying? My sister always had a woman there. I didn't always have my dad there, a man there. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, so I guess let me. Yeah, but they're on great terms now. Let me ask you, kind of, in that realm, because one of the things I, t- I talk most about with men in my life in general is just like, no matter what age you are, that need for a, like a male role model. It does not matter if you are four years old and you need to figure out how to tie your shoes, or if you're 19 and trying to figure out where to go to college, or you're 30 and trying to figure out how to buy a house. Like having a, an older male figure in your life, especially in a patriarchal society, is fucking helpful. Uh, <laughs> so, like, which, which of those family members, other than your dad, were you kind of like f- forming? those relationships with is that like a cousin is that one of your uncles uh definitely my uncles for sure i looking back on it obviously and that's with with anybody in their life you're gonna look back and go damn if i knew then what i knew now i would have spent way more time with them uh i have i had two uncles i have one now that's uh on my mom's side my dad's side is huge there's i have a lot a lot of you know aunts and uncles on that side Hmm. but as far as my mom goes she had two brothers. Uh, one of them passed. So, and that was the one that I I can say, you know, that I was closer to just because he was younger than the other one. You know, he was really into tech and stuff like that. I'm into tech and stuff like that. Uh, he went to school to be an engineer, the first one in our family to actually go, you know, to a college and achieve a degree. So, you know, he was talking about AutoCAD and programming and stuff like that. And we were able to bond on that level just off of, you know, technology and stuff like that alone. And like I said, he passed, I'm sure, I think I got that phone call probably about four years ago now, at least. Bro, you, and, about uh, to, you made uh, my hard job. I thought you were about to say four days ago. I was like, good God, what the hell did I just put this man no. through? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It was about four years ago. But uh, I can definitely look back and say, you know, with both of my uncles, I wish that... Uh, I definitely did more, definitely growing up, you know, back then everybody had boats and stuff like that way before everybody got older and sold the stuff off. I love to just, you know, go out fishing with my uncles and stuff like that and just have a, a male bonding trip and stuff like that. But it's just, it's just not really how my life panned out. So, but yeah, I had a couple, you know, a couple male friends of the family and my uncles as well. They're in the picture. 
So uh, I I guess I'm on uh, again kind of the, the flip side of that experience where I'm I'm the youngest of the men in my family like all my cousins everybody my brother everybody in my family is older than me and I until my cousin Tessa was born I I had no female cousins and she's almost a decade younger than me uh, so we're pretty separated uh, so like my whole life I was the youngest of all these men but none of these men were like adults right like my uncles weren't really around like I said my pops passed away uh, and so like. As I came of age and then like in adulthood, obviously, you get a little more distant from people like cousins and uncles and everything. Anyway, uh, I was kind of missing that. But obviously, you know, you kind of fill that in with friends or girlfriends or coworkers or like, who are, you know, your, your idols, your heroes or whatever. Uh, so I guess kind of transition a little bit out of the family and the childhood into kind of <laughs> you growing up a little bit. Who were your friends like? What like so, you know, you're 10, 11, 12 years old. You're starting to figure out, you know, masculinity pretty much on your own all of a sudden you're 13, 14, 15, your dad's back in your life, like full family structure, but you're also hitting like adolescence and like, you know, I, I assume like most teenagers, like fuck your parents. Like, you know what I mean? I don't want to do anything. Oh, you know you're having like I, your rebellious I went, phase. I went through that phase at 18. I was actually, I was a great kid. And then at 18, I, about 17, 18 is when I moved out. Uh, but I was a senior in high school at the time. That's when I had a, wait, you moved out in high school? Point. Yeah. Okay. What led to that? Uh, just a falling out. Well, I'll, I'll backtrack by saying that, like, my mom has always made me very independent, which I appreciate, because I know some 26, 27, 28-year-olds that are still on their parents' phone plan. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, not to them. That's how they're raised. But, like, I've been on my own phone plan since I was 16, 15 or 16, when I started uh, working at the TV station. My mom was like, hey, you know, you're making, you know, a couple hundred bucks a week now. Hey, we're leaving T-Mobile. We're going somewhere else. So you're making money. You need to figure out, you know, your phone plan. And I was like, all right, cool. And, like, from that age, you know, early high school, I've been paying my own bills. It's like funny because uh, a lot of a lot of people have that scenario, and then they're like, "Yeah," and then my mom was like, "You gotta pay thirty dollars a month for your section of the family plan," and I'm like, "Yo, my nigga, like I had to go out and like figure out how to sign up for bills and shit by myself at fifteen, and like exactly. pay that seventy five a month." <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, that shit was yeah, it wasn't anything cheap. <laughs> yeah, it that wasn't that wasn't like that wasn't mowing all. a lawn money. That was like real money. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, no, I had to go to, uh, as soon as you said that, I was like, all right, got my little couple hundred bucks from Kroger money at that time, and I went to Walmart, and I got a phone plan there. But like I said, I mean, even in high school, uh, I was into the acting thing for a second, and uh, I'm technically a thespian, but uh, I never <laughs> did anything. I, I signed up for it, and I took, I did it enough hours in high school to where, I'm a thespian. Like, they send me the little uh, brochures and stuff like that in the mail. I didn't pursue it. But during high school, that was the avenue for me to get money. They paid me a check. I just helped out in place and stuff like that. Lighting, sound for the actors. And then, you know, the school system kind of sort of cut a check. But, like, two, three months later after the play, I'd get, like, a three, four, five hundred dollars check. You know, how many hours. So I was always basically from that point independent you're washing your own clothes you know you're buying your own food you know if you have a vehicle so, you're gonna put so, gas in hold it. on like, let we're me, not gonna front anything let me get this straight but so like you get to like senior in high school so far you've been 
from all accounts, like a pretty good kid. Like you're getting good grades. You're spending your fucking childhood like reading and playing sports. It sounds pretty. Yeah, right. no, my my grades, my let's batch up. My grades weren't all that great. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Okay, but it I wasn't was, like I was very. I I enjoyed English. Uh, I enjoyed science and history. Anything else outside of that, I probably didn't like. But you weren't like failing out of school or nothing. No, I was feeling yeah. out of school, but I just I just didn't like math. And the way that my brain was wired at that time, if I don't like it, I'm not going to put that much energy into it. Like, if I get a C, I'm cool. I'm not going to, like, break my neck and get an A if I don't enjoy math. I mean, that makes That's sense That's just to me. where I was at in life. So, yeah. So, <laughs> all's going smoothly. Like, you know, you, like you said, like, yeah, you're a C student and stuff you don't like, a B student and stuff you do like. That seems pretty fair to me. Uh and then how do you get kicked out of your house to the point where you're like, yo, I'm living on my own senior year? Cause, but I, I don't, like, again, everybody's different. That's the point of this podcast, getting to know other people and, like, solving my own ignorance. But, like, where I'm from, and the, my understanding of most parents is, like, cool. Like, all I want for my kids is to be, like, relatively independent, like, have a good work ethic, get decent grades, and, like, stay out of trouble. And by, by all accounts, that sounds like what your childhood was like. <laughs> So, like, what, right. le- what led to, like, the ouster and you being, because that, that, yeah, again, not to use the trauma word, but that sounds like a traumatic random happening. Um, I mean, my mom and I, over the years, for whatever reason, have, uh, every now and then, bumped heads. And it's, like, she loves me, but then at that certain point in my life, like, it was one of those situations to where she saw more potential in me than I saw in myself. I never doubted myself, but it's kind of like you're, you know, you're making C's and you can be making A's. Like, I know you can apply yourself, but you're not doing it. So when stuff like that, you know, we bump heads uh, and it caused a little bit of friction and whatnot. But uh, at one point uh, in high school, I, I met up with these two guys. You know, we had a, a couple classes together. We played ultimate frisbee on the weekends and stuff like that. And they approached me randomly one day at school. They were like, you know, we're both working at Taco Bell. Boom, 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 boom. You know, uh, do you want to sign a lease and move out? Like the apartment or literally right down the street from the high school. So location, was, location, location. How much was it? I think it was like 800 bucks a month. And the three of us were splitting that. Oddly enough, there was a chick that also split with us, but she didn't stay there all the time. She apparently had like a actual rough home life and she just wanted to pitch in some extra money to basically where if she needed a place to go, she could, but she wasn't there all the time. Out of a month, she was maybe there, you know, a week or so. But, Just uh, as a side note, I'm not well. trying to put any ill nothing on you or your mans back when you were 18. But how crazy is your life that you're willing to just, like, throw down rent with three random, like, 18-year-old dudes and be like, no, this will yeah, be my I safe know. place. I was, <laughs> like, have you met 18-year-old boys? <laughs> like, there's oh, nothing man. safe about that environment. <laughs> like, <laughs> shit's getting broken every day. There's going to be a billion illicit drugs. Like, your car is going to be running on three wheels. Like, 18-year-old men ain't got shit figured out, man. <laughs> like, that is oh, not the man. safe it space. Was- that was the most uh, spontaneous and stupidest thing that I ever did in my life. But at the same time, I'm the type to, I'd rather stumble and bump my head early than mm. to like be cushioned all the way into my thirties. And then when they're like, all right, go be free. 
I'm messed up because I've never experienced life. I've always been protected. You know what I mean? So I don't mind looking back and going, you know, I stumbled a couple of times and I made some really dumb mistakes. So, you know, that, that apartment thing was on my credit for a good long while because that whole thing fell through uh, pretty quickly. But so how you mentioned they were just, you know, obviously classmates yours. Did you like know them previously? These guys like you were on like a baseball team with or something or just some like random nigga in the cafeteria came up to you and was just like, yo, you're trying to move in? (laughs) No, we, I mean, you know, every, every school has clicked and I was kind of a part of everything because, you know, I ran track and, you know, I'm into the nerdy stuff, you know, I like to read. So I kind of knew everybody. And these guys were basically, you know, into the acting thing and stuff like that as well. But they were also gamers, which at that point in my life was I'm not nearly as much now. But I was huge just into video games. It didn't matter what, you know, that was just, you know, a hobby. And so I, you know, met other people that had that same interest. And they were two of those guys that were like, you know, every night, Xbox 360, you know, PS3. That's that's what was out at the time. Mm. And, you know, they were one of... You know, it was, it was that kind of friendship. So you guys, uh, it was like the, the three of you in the living room, you all had the headsets on, bunch of giant monitors. Like, there was no other furniture in the house, just everybody's paying, like, bare minimum rent, delivery money, and then playing video games 12 hours a day. Right. Not even 12 hours. Not 12 hours, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, the right. other two, they, they would, uh, man, if you if you only knew how many days I had missed from school, I'm surprised that they didn't try to arrest somebody because it was bad. <laughs> it was really bad. Not even for me just winning the game. Like, I missed, that year, I missed 50 days of school. 50, 55, I can't remember the exact count. It was 50-something. Jesus. Just because certain days I would wake up and go, you know what, I don't feel like going today. And I just didn't go. <laughs> that's, that's the benefit of living on your own, though, right? <laughs> like that, that's, yeah. That's but, uh, oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. All right, so cool. Like you're out on your own. You graduate high school, and then what's next? Do you go to college? You go like straight into work? Like obviously, since then, uh, seven years. Because yeah, you're 25. So seven years. You seems like you've had a thousand and one jobs in a billion different industries. Like how does how do we get to current day JP? Like we graduate, we're gamer yeah, JP. We we get through high school, and then what? Yeah. Uh, well, the whole roommate situation fell through with that because uh let's see one of them his what was it his dad cheated on his mom and then next thing i know his dad like sleeping in our apartment and i was like what's going on pause 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 so it's senior high school you're coming up on your 18th birthday you're living with these two random dudes that you met in a cafeteria you guys just playing a bunch of video games living the bro life having a great time you come home from yep. school or work one day, and your your newly found homeboy, your new roommate, is pops. Is just chilling on the couch like, "Yo, my bad, I cheated on my wife. I need to stay here for a few days." Yeah. This is what do you, do you teenagers mind if I just come crash? Me, forty year old <laughs> man who just cheated on my wife and has nowhere to go. Man, I had walked out of my bedroom and I see beer. We just, I mean, I was I wasn't drinking. So yeah, was nobody like, in the house was all about the drink. There, Where's the beer from? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Why is there a case of Bud Light? And a box of Crystal burgers. Why are these greasy burgers in our living room? And I continue to look around and I see him curled up on the futon. And I was like, what is happening? And the guy, you know, 
his name was AJ. He actually passed, uh, oh, I think, sure. a couple years ago. Uh, but AJ came out and he was like, you know, uh, my pops, you know, he, you know, had an issue with my mom, blah, 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 blah. So he's going to crash for a couple of days. What well, ended up that they decided to go back to Buford, Georgia, which is like a good roughly three hours from where we were at. And uh, so I was left holding, uh, basically holding everything because my other roommate got fired from Taco Bell. So now you go from three people in an apartment, three 18 year olds in an apartment that all have jobs to one (laughs) that has a job. And four people. uh, Needless to say, (laughs) yeah, needless to say, I had to move back home. Uh, I think I had, I think we had the apartment for probably about six, seven months and then it all came crashing down. So it was very short lived. And so then you, you go home, I, I assume make up with your moms and it, 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 I pretty standard, like, Hey, my bad. I fucked up. I'm 19. I thought yep. I was grown and I'm not conversation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can yep. tell by the exactly. side of your voice, a lot of dignity was lost in this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But then, okay, cool. You move back at 19 and it, it's my understanding you own a place now, right? Yeah. So, oh, so, how, so how do we get was, back from moving moving back in with moms and like, what the fuck has my life come to? Even my Taco Bell roommates lo- left me down. Uh, and now right. we're at like nine jobs <laughs> in the house. Right. Um. So after I graduated high school, I was working at Kroger and I met this guy. Uh, he approached me. I actually knew his daughter because we all went to school together. Uh, but he approached me while I was working at Kroger. I mean, even doing Kroger, I moved around started as a bagger. I went to dairy. From dairy, I went to produce. And then after I left the wellness job, I came back to Kroger and worked nighttime stocking. So I have a pretty good connection with uh, the people over there. But anyways, so I was working in produce. This guy saw me, said, hey, you know, every time I come in here, you're in here. You seem like a hustler. You know, do you want a job? And at the time, ironically, the next upcoming week was my uh, one-week vacation from Kroger. So instead of just hanging out at home and getting a check for being on vacation or whatever, I actually went to work for this welding company uh, for a week just to kind of see how I, I liked it. And now, leading to say, I mean, it was freezing cold and, and all that stuff, and it was extremely far away from my hometown. But once I saw the check, I was, hey, I was sold. <laughs> yep. Sorry. Bye, Kroger. I'm chasing the bag. Sorry. Not the grocery <laughs> this bag. This is like double, almost triple what you guys are paying me, so I got to go. So, so, uh, so that that's one of the things I actually wanted to talk with you a bit about. Just like, I I feel like nobody ever really explains, especially the young kids, like the, the path of being a tradesman. And it's just like, oh, shit. Like, if you just told a lot of kids at like 17, you can just go learn how to be a welder. And by 19, that you'll be making like a solid 75, 80 grand a year. And it's like... That's not so bad, man. Like, if I could have made 80 grand for four years instead of go to college for four years, like, for a lot of people, that's probably a solid trade off. <laughs> right. That's, that's something I wish that was uh, promoted more in high school. Then again, like I said, at that point in my life, my headspace wasn't, I, had, I didn't even think to look into welding mm. uh, while I was in high school. You know what I'm saying? That just wasn't something that was on my radar at all. So, but definitely now looking back on it, that's something that should be pushed. Welding, plumbing, electrical, heating and air, because all that stuff 
pays great. And the thing is, in our society at this point, we're not going back to not having those things. They're <laughs> right. always going to be here. So, and it, they're always going to break. They're always going to need to be replaced. So somebody is always going to be making boatloads of money. So, and it's not a bad trade to get into at all. It's one of those things that, that I, you know, I, as a Northeast shitty elitist myself who talks to people for a living all day and has a degree in a meaningless field like communications, uh, <laughs> I've always joked that, like, <laughs> everybody, no matter, like, what you do, like, you should have some skill in, like, some trade that, like you said, isn't going anywhere. It's like, construction's not going anywhere. Plumbing's not going anywhere. Being a barber isn't going anywhere. Like, people are going to need their fucking haircut for pretty much the rest of eternity. Being a bartender isn't going to exactly. go anywhere. Like, people are going to keep drinking. I guarantee it. You know, like being a mechanic exactly. doesn't go anywhere. Like there are certain jobs that like you're good for at least like at least the duration of your life. I'm not I'm not saying that's gonna be like the essential skill you pass along to your kids or whatever, but like you'll you'll make an income, you'll keep a roof over your head, like knowing how to do one of these like twenty things. And it's amazing that we just like I don't like you shame all of these occupations. Like there's something wrong with being like a welder or a bartender. It's like you know how many bartenders I know who make a hundred grand a year. How many welders I know who drive way nicer cars than me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right, man. That's the thing about our society is so many people just don't. They look down if you get dirty for a living. They look down on you. I I know for a fact that at the companies uh, that I the welding company that I left, there's guys making a hundred grand easy, and they're dirty. And they don't look like they've ever, you know, stepped foot in a college or whatever. But they're making more than the people that are looking down on them. Like, we've been in the CNN building before and stuff like that. And even the little, like, interns and stuff will look down on us. Like, we're just, you know, the help. Which like, is hilarious because, like, God, like I, I make, like, you make what that kid has in student loans in, in like, a year. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> it, it's like he's going home to his studio apartment somewhere downtown and he's paying like eight fucking grand a month for it to split with six people and making like a thousand dollars a year because it's an internship. And meanwhile, like, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, just something about that feels very off to me. Uh, and like right. I said, like, it's not like I'm not one of those people, right? Like, I've worked in office buildings all my life. I'm, I'm sure I've like said something shitty to somebody who came in to fix something many times in my life. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not saying like I'm right. above the fray there, uh, but it is bizarre to me. Yeah. I don't know why our society is like that. It's just, you know, if you do, if you do physical labor, people look down on you and I don't understand it. I mean, I, I like I said, I just, I can't really do a deep dive onto like why I think that is, but I just, it's something I don't understand. So was was the college thing ever in the cards for you, or it sounds like obviously like you had the you had the apartment, you moved home, you're trying to figure out the job thing, and then while you were figuring out the job thing, this kind of fell into your lap. So I assume college was never wasn't really on the radar then. I mean, I definitely wanted. I knew for a fact that I was going to have to get some higher education mm. somewhere. Uh, I thought about being a journalist. That was really my like because you know. You know, at the time, I was like, I'm very good with words. I can write papers and essays and stories, no problem. You know, I could definitely be a journalist on. At the time, and it was one of those weird, you know, one of those dreams as a kid, and you dream about something you're really into at the time, and you grow older, and you're like, yeah, I'm really not that into it anymore. (laughs) I wanted to be a video game journalist. Like, I had a Tumblr blog. It was just strictly for video games. A new game would come out. I'd do a review on it. I type up all these paragraphs and stuff like that. Like, that's what I wanted to be. Looking back on it, I was like, there's no way I would be that now. But the flip side of that is at the time, 
for whatever reason, it never crossed my mind. Why don't you just do this for fun? You don't have to make <laughs> money on it. Do something that actually makes money. And if you have the extra time, do all this other stuff. But so, I, mean, I guess that's where I am now. I, how do you balance that though? Cause so that's always my thing is like, I, I hate just going to work to make money. So, you know, I've had plenty of jobs. I've made good money. I've made bad money, you know, whatever in between money. Uh, but like the idea that, okay, I'm going to go here. I'm going to do this thing for 40, 50, however many hours a week. And then like, I, you know, that's worth it. And then outside of that is when I'll pursue like my passions. Like, how do you, how do you wrestle with that? Like, obviously it helps. Like you enjoy what you do for a living. It sounds like you don't like hate the work or the check. Uh, so that helps. But like, what do you say to somebody who's like, Hey, like I, I hate what I do every day and the money is like, it's fine, but it's not like, it's like keeping me here. You know, it pays the bills or whatever, but what I really want to do is, you know, review video games or whatever that, whatever it may be. I did. I killed everybody because I surprisingly I have a pretty decent amount of people just in general asking me for advice, you know, a couple of times a week. And my thing is always have a plan B. There's nothing wrong with, you know, chasing dreams of being an actor or anything else like that or just wanting to create content. But always have a plan B, because, like I said, a lot of times you can use the plan B to fund your dreams if you know how to do it right. Like, and I, like you said, going back to, you know, mentors and having, you know, many your life and stuff like that, I was lucky enough to uh, run across a couple mentors that really saw something in me, uh, whether it be, you know, work ethic uh, or whatever. And they really took me under their wing and they showed me behind the scenes of what they have going on. They're like, yeah, you know, I work here at the company that we all work. But I'm also using this money to fund side jobs. And once they started to tell me, like, one guy owns six properties in Atlanta, all over Riverdale, all over Atlanta, like, that are generating money. Airbnb, he's, you know, going in and he's making boatloads of money that's on the side. He doesn't really need, you know, the company that we work at. Mm. But it's kind of like once you see somebody doing it, like, I'll speak from this experience. Once you see somebody that has five, six, seven houses and commercial buildings, what they show you, and I have been shown a hundred grand in cash and like, hey, I'm about to go buy this property, <laughs> that stuff will get you hyped up beyond belief. Because it's like, this wasn't, you know, my dream gig, but it's like once I got into it and saw that this was just a, just a stepping stone for what I, where I wanted to go, that's all I needed to know. This is just a stepping stone. It's not like you're going to do, you know, heating and air the rest of your life. You can do heating and air for 10, 15 years, stack money, get into real estate, and you can go on to, you know, do other things that you actually want to do. I think a lot of people are too busy getting into what's in their life, and they're like, oh, I'm at a dead-end job. They don't pay me enough. I'm not happy here, blah, 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 instead of looking outside the box and going, I can use this as an advantage. This isn't. Hmm. this isn't my stopping point you know this is just a stepping stone to bigger and better things so that's that's where i am in life like i said i always have i'm I'm sure i'm never gonna make money with the podcast and youtube stuff that's just i enjoy creating content so that's just what i do for fun as far as income you know that that's cutting grass that's flipping cars that's working so 
Well, I, listen, man, I, I think it's a great way to look at life. It's uh, a little complicated sometimes to be able to juggle all of the above, but if you if you can find the steady, you know, go-to hustle, if you will, or even a couple of them that keep the income coming in, then you can, you know, whatever that side hustle is, whether it's writing, whether it's acting, whether it's online content, whether it's making music, and, you know, all those things can just be about that. I think... Sometimes it's a little hard to find the time for them. I guess I always look at music, especially where it's like music nowadays, people keep pointing out, you know, how much faster, how much easier you can create music. And that's definitely true. But I always like, I'm blown away by people who, you know, you, you always hear these stories, you know, a rapper, a singer, whatever. It's like they work two jobs and they drive Uber on the side. And then like somehow between like 1 a.m. and 4 a.m. is when they make music. And I'm just like, I, I don't have that kind of drive, man. Between <laughs> 1 and 4 a.m., yeah. I'm sleeping. <laughs> you know yeah, that's the thing, man. You got to, you got to find you got to find something that really just just hits it for you. You know what I mean? Mm. Like I have a playlist of uh, motivational. If I'm ever feeling a little bit sluggish in the morning, I'll go to YouTube and throw on a motivational uh, motivational video. And I promise you, like, it'll probably be a 30-minute video. Within the first 10 minutes, you'll, like, want to cry because you're like, I'm so motivated now. Like, I, I can't let anything hold me back. Like, forget the sleep forget all that stuff, you know, and you really just want to, like I said, you're going to have to find something that just hits it for you to where it just really makes you hungry all over again. Like you don't care about anything else. You don't care if it takes a hundred hours a week. You just want to get your goals done. And, you know, for everybody, that's something different. You know, what, what works for me might not work for you and vice versa. But like I said, if you were, if you feel like you don't have that drive, you know, you got to find something that really just sets it off for you and sets you on fire again. Well, that's a perfect segue because we're going to take a quick break here and I want to come back and talk about some of the, the influences, some of the, the groups and the people and the things that you're following, things that kind of are influencing you and in some of these newer endeavors that you have going on, whether that's the real estate game, the trade side of thing, or just the side hustles and the content. So I'm going to take a quick break here and then we'll come back uh, just a second, jump right back in. All right. All right. I'm one of those people. And we're back, uh, joined here still by Jordan Partridge, a.k.a. Poppy Chulo JP. Uh, we kind of went through a lot of the background, a lot of childhood, kind of how we got to current day JP. Uh, but now I kind of want to go through a little bit more kind of what you're into now and kind of how you've become the person that you are uh, in this current day iteration. So I guess the the first thing i got to ask off top, uh, and I should, I, I guess, probably ask this 38 minutes ago or so when we started this podcast, What's up with the name Poppy Chulo JP? Where does that come from? Because uh, in a show oh. all about labels, I'm I'm always curious what people decide to call themselves, especially on the internet. And uh, that is that is one of the more intriguing ones I've I've come across so far. <laughs> well, uh, I unfortunately don't have any any Spanish, as far as I know, in my blood or anything like that. So I don't want to think you know I'm being a culture verse or anything like that. Oh, uh, but there's a guy. Uh, do you remember the dance jerking that was like huge? Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. I wrote a I remix to teach him how to jerk back when I was like 16. That was definitely a thing. Okay, cool. cool. I don't yeah, know where that is now. Thing. If anyone on the internet can find that, please don't. But like, <laughs> <laughs> it's out there. Oh man, yeah, I was huge into that. Uh, there's a guy named Young Sam. Okay. Uh, that that makes music. Are you hearing anything in the background? By the way. 
Sorry about that. We had a little weather delay, which is not something you usually get to say on a podcast, but we are back. Uh, we were just breaking down here the uh, the origin story of uh, the online persona of the Poppy Chulo JP. So you mentioned it kind of comes out of that jerk music background. Uh, from my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, jerking is like a Texas thing, though, not a Georgia thing, right? Uh, again, not uh, very uh, much northern. I don't, I don't know much about the South. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as... Uh I mean, it's been a while since I've been really into the scene. Uh, I don't even think it's really a scene anymore. Um, yeah. But I believe uh, it, it originated out in Cali, and then okay. it slowly just kind of moved over. So, But uh, there's an artist named Young Sam uh, that's out in California, and uh, he made a song called a, you know, Women Call Me Poppy Chulo, and it was a little, you know, it, it was a little, it was a nice little song, and I was like, man, so... My old uh, handle, <laughs> which is a whole lot worse, it used to be a like OMG is JP, and <laughs> probably <laughs> like OMG yeah. it's JP. That that originated, oh, man, back in like middle school. I've had it since then, just because one chick said that one day, and it was the funniest thing to me. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to use that for a handle. And so after post high school, it's kind of like you know what this. Uh, I'm in my 20s now. I don't think that my uh, online handle needs to have like OMG anywhere in it. Yeah, and probably so can't, can't really to, put that one on the resume. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so I was kind of thinking. I was like, what sounds good? What sounds good? And I was like, mm, Poppy Chulo, okay. Because <laughs> uh, you know what? And this was also another influence is uh, Rick Ross. I love how he has the Maybach music chip in the background. Mm. So I wanted to have a name that would sound just slightly sexy if if a certain certain women said it. You know what I mean? See, this this is one of my problems. Always, I'm not gonna lie to you. Is like I I settled on Mitch Gaines a while ago. Uh, Mitch Gaines is not my government name for anyone trying to stalk me out there. And good luck with that. Uh, but <laughs> Mitch Gaines doesn't sound sexy like at all. Like if some some chick like slid up to me at a bar like after a show or something, it's just like. Sup, Mitch Gaines. I'd be like, ah, it sounds creepy. Like, it's like, it, it's too short. It's too, like, punchy. You know what I mean? It's like, you're, at least Poppy Chulo kind of sounds like somebody's trying to spit some game to you. Right, right. That's exactly what I was going for. So uh, <laughs> if you ever watch one of my YouTube videos, that's the, that's the first thing. Uh, I, have a, I have a female voice that comes on that says, you're now tuned in to Poppy Chulo, JP. And <laughs> for me, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'll go back and revise it. Yeah, I love it. No, I love it. I've, I've watched your videos. I love it. I just think it's yeah. hilarious. That's like a like a Maybach music reference. Is the Poppy Chulo? Deck. Exactly. That's it. I always wanted that. I was like, whenever I get to you know start to make content, I want something that just hits like the Maybach music does, just slightly. So you know, if if you know, uh, obviously there'll be a small fee attached to it. But if anybody is listening and uh, they think they have the appropriate voice. Feel free to get in contact with me, and uh, you know, we can make some make some content happen because I, I definitely I, need some more voiceovers. I feel like there's like a whole industry of women with just like those ASMR voices who you can hire for like fifty bucks, hundred bucks a whack just to do drops for you. You just like send right. them. It's like you know, thirty dollars a word or something. They just like whisper some word into a microphone and send it back to you. I'm sure that's a thing. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure it's a thing too. 
All right. So uh, aside from aside from Poppy Chilo, uh, a couple of things that I understand you kind of label yourself as, or you know, things you identify yourself as. Obviously, a homeowner. Obviously, you're in the real estate game. You're a podcaster. You're a creator. Uh, you know, you're you're a Georgian. What are people from Georgia called? Georgians? Georgians? Ugh, that sounds weird. I don't know. I uh, mean, I really don't know to, <laughs> to be honest with you. I'm you're from there. You're Georgia. supposed to be able to answer that. <laughs> nah. Fair enough. Uh, so you're you're most certainly not a proud Georgian, I guess. Uh, but so, so <laughs> of all those kind of labels, you know, when, which of those I guess are you sort of most proud of? Like when somebody asks you, you know, who are you? Like what do you do? Like what do you lead with? Like I'm I'm JP. <laughs> I am what? I'm a hustler. I'm a hustler. Okay. <laughs> to be completely honest, I'm a I'm a. If there's if there's anything, I'll preface by saying legal because <laughs> I have you know I have family members that you know move the opposite way but if there's anything with me that's legal uh you know I try to learn at least a little bit about it plumbing electrical welding heating and air stocks real estate cars you know I, I'm even thinking about breeding dogs if I get a bigger backyard like you know I'm I'm an all-around hustler you know it doesn't matter what it is if it's legal you know, and I think there's some money to be made. I would definitely uh, look into it and probably at least try one. So, so let me let me ask you this then: uh, hustlers a a vague and I, I guess depending on where you use it, a loaded term. What was like? What was the first time you felt like you were distinctively a hustler? Like you knew, like, nah, that's that's me. Probably when uh, I had a short stint after I. I left the welding company uh, that I worked at probably for about a year, and then I went back to it. But during that year that I was gone from it, I worked two jobs. Uh, I had worked in a fab, actually one of the Kia suppliers. I uh, worked from them welding up the exhaust pipe, and then as soon as I left there, I hopped in my 69 Mustang that got like 10 miles to the gallon, <laughs> and I drove to Kroger to work at night stocking shelves, and that was my life for a while just two jobs back and forth at least 80 hours a week and that's when i knew i was a hustler <laughs> because there were plenty of times there were plenty of times while i was stocking at kroger that i would get sleep deprived and i tried to fight it and there were certain points which is kind of weird now looking back on it i would actually blank out like i would just completely phase out with you know a box of cereal or something in my hand <laughs> That's supposed to be on the shit. Like I was, I was gone. Just like and then all of a sudden, I, yeah, exactly. And all of a sudden, I'd come back and I wouldn't, you know, realize, you know, how much time it had to the point where the manager at one point was like, "Man, you're beyond exhausted. Like, take a couple of days off, you know, and come back and we'll just see what happens." But like I said, even doing that, I was still trying to flip cars and stuff like that with two jobs. And like I said, I was just. I was just an all-around hustler. That's that's when I knew. So at that point, all I cared about was the bag. I, I guess I got to follow up on two points there. One, uh, how long have you been flipping cars? And like, how did you get into like being a mechanic? Because for those at home, you're talking about like working eighty-hour weeks and falling asleep standing on your feet, but you're also driving a '69 Mustang to work. So like, I don't know, maybe sell the fucking Mustang and go back to work in one job. <laughs> uh, so, but I'm I'm assuming that was like a Mustang that you like restored yourself. It wasn't like an eighty thousand dollar car. You were just like whipping around for fun. Right. A, a '69 yeah, no, Mustang, this... eighty thousand is probably short selling that car actually. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't pick out some numbers on on the ones, but, you know, yeah. so I have the, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, that Mustang, really, I can honestly look back and say that's really, like, the only huge bonding moment that me and my father had uh, because he gave me that car when I was about 14 or so. He was like, look, this is yours, but it doesn't have an engine and it doesn't have a transmission. So once you start... Hold on, hold on. are you working... really just like quoting me the story of Fast and the Furious right now? Like, this is some real Dom Toretto no, shit. Cool. No, My dad wasn't around. He left me this Mustang. <laughs> it didn't have an engine. I restored the entire thing myself. And now we're going to go race motherfuckers in the desert. I'm telling you, man, this is my life. My he was like, this is yours. There's no engine. There's no transmission. Once you get the money up to put an engine and transmission there, you give me the money. I'll buy it. We'll put it in together. And I said, all right, deal. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, so it, I, I just, that car sat at his shop for years until I finally said, you know what? I want to get this thing back on the road started working, sent my money aside, giving it to him. Boom. Got an engine, got a transmission. And, uh, you know, after a couple bad engines and bad transmissions, we found a combination that worked. And uh, as far as the Mustang selling it, I could never sell it, regardless of what happened to it, regardless of if I crashed it or if I became, God forbid, I became homeless or something like that. There's no way I'm selling it. That's really like the staple father-son thing uh, that my dad and I have together. So I don't plan on getting rid of it. Well, not to mention, if you're any sort of a car guy, like I'd rather live in my car before I was homeless. You know, what I mean? <laughs> I'll, I'll get rid of the house. <laughs> like at least the car I can get right. out in. <laughs> you know <what> exactly. I mean? <laughs> but oh wow! So uh, I don't know. Maybe let me. I, maybe I should go back and re-ask that. Was that like the moment you knew you were a hustler when you finally had enough money to? like put the car on the road because i would imagine you know 14 15 years old you're you know it's not like you have like a steady salary job like you were scraping together money to go buy like a lot of car parts at that point right man you wouldn't believe the feeling of just actually just having it sit there for years and years and you're just slowly kind of like tinkering on it and changing a few things and just finally racking up the money to get it going and on the road once you first hear that engine fire up on a car that hasn't moved in like over a good 15 years. It's like, Oh man, like this, this is literally a dream. I don't care if the suspension sucks and it's a little shaky and I fish tail just a little bit. I don't care. It's driving. It's on the road. I got it insured. And That's all it. that matters. <laughs> I made it. Exactly. <laughs> so, Wow, man. Sorry, I'm like blown away by that. That's fucking. Uh, for the first episode of this podcast, that was one of the one of the better stories I could have hoped for. So thank you for that. Coming coming <laughs> full circle from where we started on the dad thing to that. That's that's kind of perfect. Uh, so I guess uh, I'd, like you said, like you know, obviously you're a hustler and you're you're a multidisciplinary f- fan. You know, you, you got your you got your hands in a lot of different things. What would you? What would you do if you like couldn't do that anymore? Like if you had to, if you had to pick one thing, like if you couldn't just be, you know, chasing forty different dreams at a time, is there one thing you could see yourself kind of being settled into, or would you be like disappointed by that? Would you be upset by that? I would have to have more than one thing to do. Being completely honest, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, 
maybe somebody will, will listen to this and go, you know, oh, it's because he's a Gemini and they can never make up their mind. Something. <laughs> I'm sure somebody will have an explanation for it. But it's like. I am also this, sure that the even, audience for this podcast is not that into astrology. I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but even if, even if, like, I could easily just, you know, work my 40 hours or whatever and go home. But, like, I just, it just bugs me. Like, once once I work my 40, and I always try to volunteer for overtime if they're offering it. But even when I get home, like, you can ask my girl. I'm not, I don't, I don't sit still. I can't sit still. I can't just dedicate my life to just one job or one one lane and just be content with it. I can't. Because when I get home, I'm researching other things. I'm listening to podcasts. I'm listening to, you know, I, I listen to HVAC podcasts. How many people do that? There's a lot. There's way more interesting podcasts to listen to rather than heating and air. But that's something that I do because even when I'm not working, you know, I want to I want to learn more. Like I'm always in multiple lanes. I'm in the stocks. I just I can't. I would I would literally nut up <laughs> if somebody was like, hey, you can only do heating and air for the rest of your life. I'd, I'd lose it. Well, I'd, I'd like to take this opportunity to shout out my girlfriend who asked me, are you sure there's like an audience for people who just want to listen to you talk to random people? Because if there's HVAC podcasts out there, then I know there's random fucking people podcasts out there. Uh, so I, I got to be doing all right. Uh, so let me, I guess on the flip side of that, then like, how do you feel about people who aren't like that? Like, uh, I'm with you, obviously. I'm, uh, you know, I'm a natural born hustler, if you will, uh, both on the legal and illegal sides at various points of my life, but now very much on the legal side. But it's like, you know, I, I've worked in even you, you talk about the super legal hustle. Like most of my my steady career has been in startups and essentially taking businesses that didn't exist and making them exist. Um, there's you know no truer version of a hustle than starting a business. So how do you feel about people who like aren't like that? They're like, yeah, hey, I'm I'm. I got a decent job. I would, you know, went to college or my dad works at this place, whatever, and got me a job. I've worked here for 15 years. I punch in and I punch out, take my two vacations a year. And like, that's, that's pretty much me. Like I, you know, take care of my kids. And I mow the lawn and I call it a day. Right. Um, I mean, I have friends that do that, but as far as being in a relationship, it makes things a little bit more difficult. Uh, for whatever reason, you know, I've dated several women that just aren't, like that you know what i mean uh and it's nobody's fault it's really just how you're naturally wired and also if you're willing to make a change and you know become wired that way i don't really believe that you know if you if you never picked up extra hobbies or extra hustle that you never will i don't believe that at all but it's really like i said back to the drive thing certain people will really have to get you know, a whole new drive to go from, you know, I'm going to do my 40 and leave to, you know what, I'm going to do my 40 and start a online store. You know what I mean? Mm. And I love when people do that. Um, like I said, back to your original question, um, my girlfriend isn't that way. You know, she works her 40 and then that's it. But, you know, every now and then you have little conversations about, you know, there, there's always going to be a little bit of headbutting as far as, more time should be spent with her versus more time, you know, spent researching other stuff and chasing other things. Uh, so if both people in the relationship are not creators and are not hustlers to that degree, uh, then it really takes a lot of understanding on that other party that isn't 
to be fully supportive of the one that is. Hmm. I I actually did want to dive a little bit more into relationships, but I'm, we're running a little short in time. But there are a few things I actually want to ask you about on that. Uh, so maybe I can squeeze in a few here in, in a lightning round fashion. Uh, who, I, I guess, taking a step a little broader picture, not the current girlfriend, but just in general, who, like, taught you about relationships? Like, when when did you start dating? When, I don't know, who was, like, the first person you fell in love with and all that shit? Like, was there a point where you were, like, learning about relationships, or did you never kind of get that education and been kind of, like, learning as you go? Because that's, yeah, that's pretty insightful for 25, I feel like, about having a, an idea about, you know, compatibility and different levels of drive and making sure, you know, not necessarily about the compatible interests, but about the lifestyle, all those sort of things. Like that, that's, uh, really, that's pretty heavy for been a, <laughs> Right. It's a, uh, it's really kind of like a learn as you go kind of thing. Hmm. Um, it's, that's really it. I mean, unfortunately, like I, it'd be, it'd be great if like everybody had the opportunity to like go, even if you were single, just go to a relationship seminar or something <laughs> like that for even, even singles and being like, you're going to run into this, this and this. You know, even though these things might be rough, they're not necessarily a deal breaker. Uh, you know, relationships really are a lot of give and take. Even though you feel like you're giving, you might not be necessarily giving as much as you need to. Uh, you know, the the love languages, that's a huge thing. I only recently found out about that within the last, I think, maybe year, year and a half. And once you really look into it, uh, that'll probably actually solve a lot of fights in relationships because you know certain people want more affection certain people don't some people want you know give some don't some people are just happy with you going the extra mile and just tidying up around the house mm. you know what i mean and so let's say you want her to tidy up a little bit more but she wants you to show more affection it's kind of you have to really get at that at that headspace to be like you want affection i want this so if you can give me this, that'll easily kind of, you know, solve the solve the problem as far as, like I said, just having a pretty open dialogue as well. Uh, relationships are very complicated. So <laughs> in no way am I going to pretend like I'm a guru because I'm, <laughs> I'm far from it. <laughs> do you, just out of curiosity, one of the things I love asking everybody, like, do you remember the first time you fell in love with somebody? Yeah. Yeah, I did. How old were you? Man. I was in fourth grade. Four. <laughs> okay. I'm telling. I, I'm not going to tell anybody how to, how to have that memory. Tell me. Tell me about the first, Tell <laughs> me about your nine year old love. Hit me. No, that's a great place to add. I like this. <laughs> nine year old love. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, it was. I mean, this is just somebody that has been basically like a long term friend of mine. Uh, she's married now and all that stuff. But uh, we met in elementary school. And we did, uh, you know, martial arts and stuff like that together. And, uh, like, I was just, you know, puppy love. Fourth, fifth, middle school. Uh, and I was always basically kind of chasing her. We were always cool, but she knew that I was always kind of, like, chasing after her. And um, <laughs> I think 10th, no, no, 11th grade, we dated again. And it was, it was a little bit rough because that was roughly about the same time that I was about to move out and she was living with her parents. And it was just kind of, uh, we were just, it was like, no matter how hard we tried, we were always in two different head spaces in life. And we were basically really just two completely different people. 
she was very artsy and stuff like that, and I'm not at all. But for whatever reason, I don't know, maybe it's just because we clicked since we were children. But, you know, I can definitely say that was the first person that I was like, you know, I'm definitely in love with this woman. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, puppy love goes a long way, and I have... I have a lot of weird relationships with my, like, young exes. Like, my girlfriend from sixth grade and I, like, still keep in touch. You know what I mean? Like, we're, like she's got oh, three wow. she's got three kids. She lives halfway across the country. And, like, you know, we, we still, you know, hit each other up on Facebook a couple times a year. You know, wish each other happy birthday and that whole kind of thing. Uh, so, it's weird that right. some of those, like, very young relationships will impact you. Uh, I guess, honestly, that's probably a good place for us to wrap up because, you know, as the as the tagline likes to say, this is a show about people with people. And I, I think that nice little anecdote about the first time that you love and fall in love with people is kind of a nice place to wrap up. Uh, we're going to take another quick break and then dive into our last final segment here called Random People. Uh, and I'll explain that when we come back. All right. Sounds good. Who the fuck are these people? my favorite part of the podcast internet are you ready it's time for random people we're back and we're going to dive into our final segment here called random people uh now random people works in a very very simple way uh Essentially, I have a list of about 100 different types of people. Some of them are, you know, celebrities and, you know, proper nouns, if you will, you know, individual people. Some are types of people, say, like firemen or policemen or black people or gay people or whatever. Uh, and part of our idea here with the show is to be able to sit down with as many people as we can from as many backgrounds as we can and talk about kind of what makes those people those people. So you yourself, obviously, you know, you're a hustler. We got you know, all sorts of stories about how your childhood kind of framed that, how your parents have framed that, how your very interesting uh, living arrangement through high school uh, had, had a great deal of impact on that. But no matter how much we talk about or how many different people we talk to, obviously, we're not going to cover every identity and every type of person. Uh, so that's why we developed random people. It's a very, very easy segment here. Essentially, how this will go uh, is I have a list here. You're going to pick a n- three numbers between one and 100. Uh, we refresh this list for every single episode uh, so that you know some of the people will stay on the list, or, uh, but they'll never be in the same spot. So for future guests, if you're listening, you can't try and game this. Uh, and so a lot of, you know, listener contributions, uh, some spare time, some marijuana habits have gone into making this list. Uh, we're always taking suggestions, <laughs> so it's always growing, but all you have to do is then give me the first three things that come to mind about each of those three people. Is that easy enough? Sounds good. All right. So uh, what I need to do is pick three numbers between one and 100. And then for each of them, I'm going to give you a person. I'm going to give you 30 seconds and you're going to tell me the first three things that come to mind. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. What are your three numbers, JP? Uh, let's see. I'll pick three. I'll pick 20. And I'll pick 69. 69. Love it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> then in good fashion, I will start with number 69. Oh, perfect. Okay. So what are the first three things that come to mind when I say brown people? Go brown people um i think seconds you're on the clock ah dang i think indian uh as far as middle eastern goes okay i I don't know this is weird i think uh hard working 
and I think kosher. And what was the last one? Culture? Kosher, yeah. Okay. Kosher or culture? Culture. Okay. 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 That's not bad. Uh, we'll scroll up here to number 20. Oh, this is an easy one for you. We already touched on a lot of this. So give me three things that come to mind when you hear dad. Ooh, touchy. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Life lessons, uh, masculinity, and uh, hardworking. I take it your dad is also brown then. <laughs> Give me hardworking. <laughs> All right. And last but not least, I have a feeling hardworking will probably not be the adjective that you give me. But number three is drug addicts. Give me the first three things Ooh. that come to mind for drug addicts. Um, let's see. I'll say disturbed, um, depressed, and lost. Hmm. All right. Now, what I like to usually do here is I'm going to go through these three, and I try not to pester people because it's a lightning round. You're allowed to feel however you want to feel about these things, and that's why we make it a very random segment. Uh, but I try to ask at least one follow-up question on each of them because I'm always curious. Uh, I guess I'll start with your dad. Is your dad a... a hmm. Life lessons, masculinity, hardworking. I guess, what is the what's the number one life lesson you feel like you learned from your dad? Because obviously, you guys have had kind of a complicated relationship. But it sounds like he's arguably the most important person in your life. He's obviously taught you a lot, you know, both practically and philosophically. So, what's like the number one thing you've taken from him? Ah, uh, yeah, that's a good one. Oh, that. Let's see. My sister that alarm for my dad. Oh man, there's been quite a few. I guess I'm I'm not gonna really say this is a life lesson, uh, but this is something that I see in my dad is the fact that I've I've seen him give his last five dollars to somebody. Like I've he's a very giving person. No matter the situation that he's in or anything like that, like I've literally witnessed you know, him pull out his wallet and only had five bucks in there and gave it to somebody. He's a very giving person uh, to a fault. And uh, unfortunately for me, um, the same way. So it kind of gets me in certain situations in life. <laughs> I'd hardly say that's the worst trait to be, though. That's a, that's a good life lesson in my book. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I was raised by social workers, so I'm, I'm, I'm always in, of the belief of trying to be as giving as possible. And, you know, my girlfriend's a teacher and all of that. And, like... I don't know if if there's if there's one trait that every best person in my life probably has, it's that they're all giving people. So if that's the if that's the right. biggest lesson you took away from your father, then I think he did a pretty good job, man. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, follow up on the other two, which are a little more fun, and we can make you not so sad afterwards. Uh, have you ever met a drug addict that isn't depressed, disturbed, or at a loss? Because I've met a bunch, and uh, you gave me those three very dark adjectives, and I was like, I, <laughs> I assume you know somebody who does a lot of drugs who isn't one of those three, but maybe not. Well, I mean, now that you mention it, I do. I mean, they might very well be depressed, but I wouldn't say that they're uh, disturbed or lost. I mean, I know plenty of people. And this is also kind of one of those blurred lines, because are we... Are we saying that weed is a drug or no? <laughs> because uh, that, that also, you know, changes it. It is it is legal here in the fine state of Massachusetts. Uh, I guess technically it is a 
drug, uh, yes, but I, I don't know. I guess when I, that's, that's part of the reason we do this segment. When you ask people, like, who is a drug addict, right? Like, are potheads drug addicts or are people who use prescription pills that are prescribed to them, but they abuse them? Are they addicts? And, you know, the, the definition of that goes differently depending on who you talk to, so. Uh, right. And I mean, and I'm also somebody that has never smoked weed. So, <laughs> so you're, you never you're smoked somebody weed? that's never smoked weed. So you're also asking somebody that's never experienced being high before huh. uh, what they think of drug addicts. That's hilarious. <laughs> okay. No, that's important context. I'm glad you shared that. All right. Uh, you're sorry. I didn't mean to say that so surprisingly. It's just like, I, I don't know. And in 2019, I assume like most people between the ages of like, I don't know, 21 and 35 have smoked a joint at some point. Uh, and I forget that's right. not like a, a lot of people have not, like I meet people pretty much every day who don't smoke weed. Uh, <laughs> all right. Last but not least on Brown people. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what follow-up question I could ask that wouldn't be insensitive. Here. Uh, <laughs> Indian hardworking culture. Uh, what is, what is the culture of Brown people collectively? In, in the mind of um, JP, well, what is the brown culture? Well, <laughs> that's a really good question. I think, I think I gave you those answers because there's a guy that I listen to on YouTube. Uh, his YouTube channel is called The Minority Mindset, and he's Indian, Middle Eastern. So, and he always says brown people, which is really the only time that I really hear brown because if you're black, you're going to say you're black. You don't really say that you're brown unless, you know, you're latino or spanish or something regardless once you said brown people he says that a lot in his video so he popped into my head and that's the reason why i gave you you know hard working because he's into uh he went and got a his doctorate but at the same time he doesn't use it because he's really into real estate uh so that's just where i got the hard working point from as far as the culture as well uh that's basically why i gave you those answers because once you said brown people he was, you know, the first person that popped into my head. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, now, honestly, that's the, my favorite part about this segment is getting people's kind of like first responses and then breaking down kind of where those come from. Uh, interestingly right. enough, so I'm, I, you know, my dad's black, my mom's white. Uh, I, for a lot of my life, have that same, you know, you know, a lot of biracial kids will say it's not white enough for white people, not black enough for black people. Uh, and I find like a yeah. lot in common with the Indian community as being sort of like the other brown, where it's like, hey, you're, like, you're dark enough to experience racism, but like you're not one of us. And it's just like, oh, right. Right, oh okay. So, like, where do I go now? <laughs> and it's like, you know, I, right. you know, Indian people look at me crazy because obviously, like, I'm not Indian. And like, Dominican people expect me to speak Spanish and I don't. And it's just like, I'm just like this racially <laughs> ambiguous, like, brown person. Uh, and so, right. Uh, but yeah, no, I. I don't know what what is brown culture is a, a a very good question that I will be wrestling with for probably the rest of my life. Um, <laughs> but I guess with that we are gonna wrap things up here. I want to thank you once again, obviously for you know taking the time almost. 80 minutes or so uh, to come sit down with us here uh, and talk a little bit about your people and the people that you're hoping to become in the future. Uh, I guess if you're out there listening at home, I hope everybody enjoyed tuning in to this first episode of the Those People podcast. I want you to be sure to check out Poppy Chulo JP. What is, where can people find you? Where can people find you online? Uh, Poppy Chulo JP. Uh, that'll be on Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube, Anchor, uh, 
I believe SoundCloud, not SoundCloud, no, no SoundCloud yet. Um, Spotify, uh, hopefully Apple Podcast soon. Uh, hopefully everywhere pretty soon <laughs> you'll be able to find me. So that sounds like a plan to me. And then I always like to ask people, you know, who who are you hoping hears this? Like who who's your who's your audience? Like who do you who do you want to find you after they listen to this and be like, hey, I really fucked with that Poppy Chulo JP dude. Like who who are your who are your people? Uh, basically anybody that has ever been lost or confused as to as far as you know what their purpose is in life or what they should do. Uh, anybody that has ever been has ever felt that they had been you know stuck at a dead end job. Uh, those are the kind of people you know people that want to be financially free at some point and are hungry for that. Those are the kind of people that I want to uh, to reach out to me. Well, people at home listening, if you have a dead-end job, if you'd like to be financially free, if you are a person who's just looking for some guidance on life or to have a good time, or you just like enjoyable content on everything from games to cars, if you are out there listening, and I hope you are because everybody who's currently listening to this hopefully is listening to this intentionally, uh, be sure to check out at Poppy Julo JP at all the aforementioned platforms, YouTube, Twitter, not SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, and, uh, and a whole bunch of others. Uh, and I appreciate you, and thank you again for doing this, man. Uh, thanks for all of you listening and supporting the show out there. And until next time, I'm Mitch Gaines, and we're all those people. quick housekeeping notes here after the episode if you enjoyed the episode please 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 rate and review the show wherever you listen really helps other people find the show and that's sort of essential to us being able to do a second season if you really love the episode or you just want to support the show you can also buy one of our political people t-shirts or some of our other merch available on our merch page at mitchgains.com if you have feedback for the show i'm all ears my twitter dms are always open but you can also email me at mitchgains at gmail.com prefer speaking to writing me too, that's why I started a podcast. You can leave us a voice message if you prefer at the link in the show notes here. Just note that your feedback, questions, and opinions may be used in a future episode. I want to give a special thanks to East Boston Public Library for allowing us to record several of our episodes on location there. Make sure you thank and hug your local librarian. Special thanks also to Phil Elam of the Justice Boys and Amy Bezunartea 
Hopefully I got that right, for our intro and our outro music, respectively. Both songs are fittingly titled Those People, and we'll post links in the show notes as to where you can find them. Lastly, and most especially perhaps, I want to give a special thank you to our executive producer, Kayla Scheitlin, without whom, and I mean this quite literally, none of this would be possible. I also want to give a final thanks to all those people who have been supporting this project from its earliest days, way before we released, including Irvin Bailey, Crystal Roloff, Nicole Hodnett, Shelbo the God, and countless others that I'm missing here. I'm Mitch Gaines, and thank you as always for checking out this episode of Those People, a podcast with people about people.